ahead and pull out your Bible and uh, something to take notes with. I don't know where my notes are. Oh, I put them, sorry. That's not your fault, bro. Thank you. Tyler Gibson, everybody, he's my podium man. And it was not his fault that my notes were not there. Go ahead and open up to Matthew uh, chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Okay, here we go. Get set. We're going to start off reading a, a, a decent chunk of verses. Can you guys handle the Bible right on the front end? All right, good deal. We're going to um, read verses 14 through 30 as we get started this morning. This is a, a parable that Jesus told, and I'm excited to preach out of the Word of God this morning. I hope you're ready to receive something from God. Touch your neighbor and say, it's a good time to be here. <laughs> Jesus said this, for it will be, he's talking about the kingdom of God and, and the end of time, really. He says, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents would at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I've made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. We're uh, two-thirds of the way through. We're going to make it through the last third? All right. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming... I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Buzzkill at the end. Starts off fun, ends intense. I'm excited to preach out of this this morning. We've been doing a series called I Think About Money a Lot the last few weeks. And the reason we're doing a series called I Think About Money a Lot is because we think about money a lot. At least I do. Over the last few weeks, have you admitted that you think about money a lot? We think about money a lot. And God has a lot to say about money. And what we've been talking about and the perspective I think we need to understand and have when we look at what God has to say about money. It's one of the most talked about topics in the Bible, the most talked about topic in the Bible specifically. But what we've been trying to say is that God doesn't have a lot to say about money because he really necessarily cares all that much about your money. He has a lot to say about money because he cares about you. He cares about you. And, and money sort of provides a snapshot of our life. 
in so many ways, each, each one of us. If we're looking for some alliteration in your life, you could say that your money is sort of a microcosm, right? Sort of a microcosm of your life. If you look at how you think about money, if you look at what you do with your money, you're going to see a snapshot of the things that you value. You're going to see a snapshot of the things that you care about. Of You're going to see a snapshot of, of what you think about. You're going to see a snapshot of what you don't think about. You're going to see a, a snapshot. It's, it's a microcosm of what you prefer in your life. You're going to see who you care about when you look at the snapshot of what's going on with your money, how you think about it, and what you do with it. Am I right, anybody? So far, I, it's a snapshot of our life, and that's why God cares so much about it. God cares a lot about it because he, he cares a lot about you. And we've been talking about a few different categories of money that we all have in our life over the last few weeks. The first week, we talked about the category of money in your life, the money that you return to God. Last week, we talked about the money in your life that has you. And this week, as we finish up our series this morning, I want to talk to you about the category of money in your life. It's real simple and pretty broad, but I want to talk to you about the money that you use. The money that you use. You can write that at the top of your notes for the, I saw four of you get going, but we're, we're, we're a note-believing church. <laughs> at least it gives you something to uh, doodle with if you get bored, you know? Can I tell you this morning that God wants you to use your money? God wants you to use your money. God wants you to use your money. He wants you to use it in meaningful ways. He, he wants you to use your money well. He, want, he wants you to use your money. What I'm trying to say is he doesn't want your money using you. God wants you using your money. He, he wants you to be in control of the things that you have. He wants you to be the one in charge of the things that you have, the money that you have. He, he, wants you to, he wants you to be the one that's determining what's happening and the choices that you're making. He wants you to be able to be purposeful with the money that you have. Money's either going to use you or you are going to use money. And, and God really wants you to be the one in the driver's seat of that relationship. We're talking about the money you use. I, I want to talk about it, not just the money that you spend. We didn't call it that. I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the money that you are in charge of because God wants you to be the one in charge of the money that's in your life. And I hope that just encourages somebody right off the front of this message. God wants you to be in the driver's seat of the money in your life. And we read Matthew chapter 25. Um, this is one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. And if you've been around our church for almost the three years we've been around, you've, you've heard me preach about, out of it uh, a handful of times. Um, this parable, I think, I, I just, I like it so much because it has so much to say about so many different things. But really, that's just the nature of the parables that Jesus told overall, that he would tell these, these kind of allegorical stories that didn't actually happen. They were stories that he would make up. And he was trying to say a lot about a lot of things in just a little story. It's a, a major method of the way that Jesus would teach. He, he would use these parables. And he would take these common things that we understand in our everyday life. And he would tell stories with them. He would tell these allegorical stories about them so that he could communicate to us things that aren't maybe so intuitive. Maybe some things that aren't so common. He, he wanted to communicate to us. Jesus came so that he could announce the kingdom of God is here. And he could teach us how to live the kingdom of God here. He, he gave us this word to pray, Lord, that your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's amazing. 
So he's trying to communicate to us this, this kingdom that's, that's sort of uh, news to us that we may not intuitively understand. So he's taking common things and trying to use them to communicate heavenly truths, spiritual principles, greater realities than the things that we have seen. So this story that we read, it's not necessarily a story that happened. It's a parable that Jesus put together to try to communicate to us principles and realities about the kingdom of God because he doesn't just want us to know about the kingdom of God so that we can get to heaven someday. He wants to explain a reality to you this morning about the kingdom of God so that you can see the kingdom of God today. God wants the kingdom of heaven flowing through your life. We're not here just to learn about something. We're here to learn how to do something. And Jesus uses this parable and he uses something so common as a vehicle to communicate to us what does this kingdom look like? How does it interact with our everyday life? So he picks up something we think about every day. We think about it a lot. And he uses money as the vehicle in this parable to communicate to us some radical and helpful daily truths about the kingdom of God. I want you to write this down. Jesus knows that if he can teach you how to use your money, he can teach you how to live your life. That's why Jesus talks so much about money. That's why Jesus uses money as a vehicle of illustration here in this parable. I believe that's why, because Jesus knows that if he can teach you how to use your money. He can teach you how to live your life. And we've been talking this whole series. That's, that's good news. Like, we want Jesus teaching us how to live our lives. The religious side of us is like, oh, man, like, we got to go to church, and we got to be good for God so that he can be impressed with us, which means we're slightly more miserable than all other people at pretty much any given time, but we're also slightly more right than everybody else at any given time, so it's kind of a trade-off, and that's just kind of the life we live, and hopefully someday we get to heaven, and that's when we're going to be angels and float on clouds and it's going to be amazing. The truth is, Jesus said, there's going to be two main voices in your life. One of them is an enemy, and he has one agenda, to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. The other voice in your life is the voice of Jesus, and he says, I have come to give you life, and life abundantly. So when God talks to you about money, the only agenda he can possibly have for you is to lead you into an abundant life to lead you so that you use money instead of you get used by money. God's got an agenda for your life today, and it's life. As we get started, I have a confession to make already. I'm not gonna tell you anything about how to use your money. <laughs> I've got nothing to say today. You're not gonna get any practical things about how you walk out of here and, and use your, your money. I know it's called the money you use, but uh, as long as this room has anybody else in it other than me and my wife, I'm not gonna be the guy who grabs a microphone and starts giving blanket financial advice. <laughs> Just if, you, if that's what you're looking for, sorry, you signed up for the wrong thing to show up on Sunday. I don't have the guts for that. <laughs> or maybe I'm not dumb enough to do that. I don't know whichever one it is, but, but I'm not interested in telling you what you need to go do with your money. Because it's not my money. Uh, I want to talk the money you use, not, not your money that I'm going to try to use. In this parable that we read, there's, there's three servants that get some money. Two of them uh, do really great things with their money. They make good choices. They live wise lives in regards to their money. It goes well for them. One of the servants uh, doesn't do what they did. 
uh, he, he does something different. He doesn't make wise decisions, and it does not go well with him. And I, and I believe that there are four things that the, the wise servants, the two wise servants, there's four things that they understood about the money that they had that had great impact on how they used that money. And so what I want to talk about is maybe those four things that I don't know what we all need to go do with our money, but I think there's four things in here that we all need to know about our money. And I think if we can all know some of these things that we need to know about our money, it'll trickle down and impact the way we use our money. But I'm not going to tell you how to use it because you and I probably need to go do different things with our money. Am I right? Am I right? Like, tell me the truth. You're relieved I'm not about to stand up here and give you financial advice, right? I mean, come on. Like, that's not what we want. You and I probably need to go do different things with our money, but you and I need to know some of the same things about our money, especially when it relates to this kingdom that God wants to talk to us about. So I want to talk to you this morning about four things you need to know about your money that are going to impact the money that you use. Number one, we see right off the bat, the first thing you need to know about your money is you need to know it's not yours. You need to know it's not yours. Verse 14 in Matthew 25, it says this. God, Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God. He's speaking about uh, the, the end of our lives and the end of time. And he says, this is what it's going to be like. It, it's like a man going on a journey who called to his servants and entrusted to them his property. Entrusted to them his property. How many of you know all good things come from God? How many of you know all things were made through him and for him and by him? How many of you know in him all things hold together? Do you know that Jesus created the universe by the word of his power? Do you know this morning that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof? He has entrusted to them, to us, his property. See, you've got what you've got, but it's not yours. We got to know that about, about our money. That when, and when the servants understood this, when you, when you start to read the rest of the story, there's a big difference between, I think, the ones who knew what they had wasn't theirs and the one who thought that what he had was his. The ones who knew what they had wasn't theirs, they lived their life very differently. This truth that what I have isn't necessarily mine had great impact on how they used. They knew that it was, it was theirs, but it was theirs to steward, not theirs to spend. Do you know there's a difference? It was theirs to steward, but, but not theirs to, to spend. And, and we need to remember this on a much more macro level than our money. Because God's talking about your life. He's talking about your money, but he's talking about, he's talking about you. And, and this life that, that you have, it's yours, but it's yours to steward. It's not just yours to spend. It's not mine. I don't know about you. I do know about you. I don't know if you know about you, but I know about me and about you, and I think we can all agree together. We didn't make us. We didn't, we didn't make us. We didn't give us life. We didn't put the life inside either one of us that we're now living. Like, neither one of us did that for the other. I for sure didn't do it for myself, but it has been given to me. The breath I just took, the one I'm about to take, the, the eyes that you're looking at me with, it was given to you. They've been given to us to steward, not just for us to spend. And you're going to live your life differently when you know it's not yours. You live your life differently when you understand that it's been given to you to steward, not given to you to spend. You're going to live your life differently when, when, when you know that you were bought at a price. 
You're going to live your life differently when you know you're a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're going to live your life differently when you know you're called, when you know you're empowered by the Spirit of God. You're going to know, you're going to live your life different when you realize you're chosen. You're going to live your life different when you realize I've been adopted. I'm not my own. I'm not living this life for myself. The life I had, it got crucified with Christ. But the life I'm living is through faith in the one who died and gave himself for me. I'm going to live different when I realize what I have isn't even mine. We got to know it's not ours. And when you realize that what you have isn't even yours, it doesn't produce laziness. It produces gratitude. And gratitude's a game changer. Gratitude is a game changer when it comes to really anything in your life, but definitely when it comes to your money. I don't have to chase what I don't have because I'm thankful for what I do have. There's a difference between needing something you don't have and chasing something you don't have. All right. When you're thankful, you're not going to go spend money you don't have on something you don't have if you realize once you get it, it's still not yours. I don't have to be immobilized by what I don't have because I'm concerning myself being thankful for what I do have. Gratitude's a game, a game changer. The servants who went to work, the two who went to work, they had one thing in common. They used what they had. They, they used what they had because they concerned themselves with what they had. That's what gratitude is, is concerning myself with what I do have. And the two who went to work concerned themselves with what they did have. The servant who was idle sat on what he did have because he concerned himself with what he did not have. What I'm trying to say is he sat back and he, and he said, well, you know, what I do have is not much. Maybe I have a little bit, but, it, but it's not much. I, I, I sure wish I had. I would do that, but if I just had a little bit more of that. If I had, if I had what he had, then I would. If I had what she had, well, then maybe I could. If you're not doing what you can with what you do have, you won't do what you think you would do with what you don't have, even if you did have it. <laughs> because m money doesn't really change you. It, it, money doesn't change you. It, it exposes you, and then it magnifies your ability to execute on what's already inside you. Jesus never told anybody to go get more money before they could do what he was asking them to do. Take what you do have. Think about what you do have. Be thankful for what you do have. Don't worry about what you don't have. Don't worry about what he has and she has. Be faithful with what you do have. You don't have to be rich to be faithful to the word of God on your life. You don't have to be rich to be a generous person. You don't have to be rich to have gratitude in your life. But if you know that what you have isn't even yours, you'll be faithful with it. If, if you know that what you have isn't even yours, you're going to be generous with it. If you know what you have isn't even yours, you're going to be grateful for it. They, they knew that what they had wasn't even theirs. And when you understand what you have isn't yours, you're going to be 
thankful. And that's going to mobilize you. Thankfulness is going to mobilize you in your life to do something with what is instead of being immobilized by what if. We got to get some more thankfulness up in our lives. We need to be thankful for the things God has given us. We need to be broken free from some imaginary chains because we're focusing on what we do have instead of being immobilized by what we don't have. You got to know it's not, it's not yours. You need to know it doesn't measure you. You got to know this about your money. <laughs> you got to know your money doesn't measure you. Verses 15 through 18, the story goes on. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents would at once and traded with them, and he made five more. So also he who had the two talents made two more, but he who had the one went and dug it in the ground, and he hid his master's money. The servants who went to work knew they belonged to their master and not to their money. The Bible says that the master gave to each one of them according to their ability. See, what, what, what I'm saying is the ones who went to work, the one who got the two, he wasn't worried about what it meant for him, the fact that the other one got five. He wasn't worried about what it said about him, that he only got two and somebody else got five. He wasn't measuring himself. Are you tracking with me this morning? The, the, one, who, who, the one who got the, the, the two wasn't worried about how he measured up against the one who got five. The one who got five wasn't concerned with what it meant about how he measured up against the one who got one. They, they weren't worried about measuring these things because they didn't have time to worry about how they measured up against each other because they were too busy working with what they had. They were too busy working with what they had been given. They were distracted enough by working and doing what they should be doing that they didn't have time to measure themselves against things they shouldn't have been measuring themselves up against in the first place. You got to know this doesn't measure you. See, gratitude comes from knowing that what you have isn't yours, and it's wisdom that comes from knowing that what you have doesn't measure you. When you realize what you have isn't your measure, you're free to live in so much wisdom. What I'm trying to say is if you could just get back in your own life and reflect on some things from a long time ago because you're so, yeah, I know you've made a lot of good decisions recently, but way back in the day, have you ever noticed that you never made a good decision when you had something to prove? Like when I was trying to prove to my mom that I could talk back and be the one in charge, not a good choice. <laughs> like I remember, I remember uh, back when I would play baseball, I remember striking out trying to prove I could hit a home run, Right? I remember getting a concussion proving I could go off that ramp. <laughs> you're not going to make a whole lot of wise decisions when you're trying to, to prove something. What I'm saying is whatever you're using to measure you is actually mastering you. How, how are you going to be in charge of using your money when it's the one in charge of telling you who you are? God, God gives you your worth. And God gives you your work. And it's important that we understand that those two things are not inherently connected. See, your, your work, the, the work that God gives you to do is not connected to the worth that you have. The worth that God gives you is not necessarily connected to the work that God gives you. Your worth comes from who you belong to. Your work comes from what you have. Not connected. 
if, if you want to know your worth, you got to look at the cross and the empty grave. If you want to know your work, look at what you have and who's around you. Two very different things. Two important things, but they're very different. They matter. They both matter. They're both from God, but they're not connected to one another. Just because somebody's got a different work than you. Just because somebody's got more work than you. Just because somebody's got less work than you. Just because somebody's got the same work as you. It doesn't mean anything about how your worth measures up against higher, lower, even with that person. Your worth is solid. Your worth is rooted in who God is and what he says about you. Your work is related to where God's put you right now. And how many of you ever had your work change? How many of you know when your work changed, your worth didn't change? You didn't get worth more, so God gave you more. You weren't worth less, so God gave you less. It's just a season. Because here's the deal. It's about the master and his business. It's not me and my business. I, I, I'm, I'm working with what I do have. I don't need to worry about what I don't have. It's not my measure. It doesn't measure my worth. I'm not going to get immobilized, worried about how everybody must be better than me since they have it's not a measure. It's not a measure. I, need just, I just need you to touch your neighbor and say, my master. Go ahead. It's a participation sport in church. Touch your neighbor and say, my master. And tell him, my master is my measure. My master is my measure. Say it with me. My master is my measure. One more time. My master is my measure. My master is my measure. And we can chase stuff. We can chase stuff. This thing that says, once you get that, you're going to be worth this. And it's going to be enough. Proverbs, Proverbs uh, 23. I don't know if I gave you guys that verse, but oh, perfect. It says this. Do not toil to acquire wealth. Be, wealth. be discerning enough to desist. Be discerning enough to stop wearing yourself out. Because when your eyes light on it, when, you, when, when it finally looks like it's close enough, it's gone. For suddenly it sprouts wings like an eagle all the way toward heaven. Sometimes Smith and my kids, they'll chase birds that land in our yard. And they always seem to let him get close enough to make him think if he keeps running, they'll catch him next time. <laughs> Sound like that last raise? Sound like that last car, that last shirt, that last pair of shoes? It's going to be enough. And you snag it and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. I thought I caught there was supposed to be something on the inside that came with what I had on the outside. Chasing, chasing. You won't chase it if you know it doesn't measure you in the first place. You got you to gotta know it's not your measure. You need to know that no matter what you have, you're going to give it back. You need to know whatever you have, you're going to give it back. Verse 19 says this, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. God, God, uh, Jesus here in this, in this chapter 25, he's in the middle of a few chapters here telling a whole bunch of parables that we have that detail kind of the end of time, like what's going to happen? What is, what is gonna happen when all things end? And that's sort of a big thing to bring up in church because a lot of people have a lot of thoughts <laughs> on what that means and doesn't mean and when and where and how and why and what does that mean to tell us about the days and all that kind of stuff. But I'm not want, really wanting to dig into that right now because I don't want to get distracted by what we don't know and keeping us from what we do know. What we do know is that life ends and the kingdom of God is for eternity. If we can agree on that, we can get something from this. I don't have to know how and when it's all going to go down and understand the beasts in Revelation to know that I end. God doesn't. There's a lot of wisdom right there. Let's just roll with that. 
Work with what we do know, right? What we have is temporal. What we have belongs to God, who is eternal. And when my life is over, I'm not going to take anything I have with me. I do know that. And more, more than money, money, it's, it's a microcosm of our lives that we have been given. We are going to give our life back to the one who gave it to us. It's going to end and we return it. We're going to settle our accounts. We're going to bring this thing back to the one who gave it to us. And the two wiser servants knew that they wouldn't keep, they couldn't keep what they had, so they didn't try to. So simple. They, didn't, they knew they couldn't keep what they had because it wasn't theirs, and so they didn't try to, but the one who tried to keep it didn't do anything with it and ended up losing it anyways, even though he tried to keep it. It's, it's going to be given back, no matter how hard we may try. See, the two wise ones resolved that what they had wasn't their possession, but it was their opportunity. What I have isn't mine, but it's mine to steward. It's not mine to own, but it's my opportunity. It's, it's my opportunity and, and the gratitude for what they had, the wisdom that came from realizing that it wasn't their identity. What they had didn't define their identity. It resulted in a work that brought increase. See, God wants you to use what he gives you. God wants you to use what he gives you. Can I just say in church, I'm just going to set some people free real quick. God's put gifts inside of you. Okay, three people know they got gifts. God put gifts inside of you. And there's some of this church language that got a little bit uh, too acceptable. It's like, ah, I don't want to do it yet because I don't want it to be about me. Like, I need to wait to do this thing God's called me to do until it can be about me. Fair and understood. You're not going to work that out until you start doing it anyways and you let everybody else around you be like, hey, was that for you? And you can be like, ah, oh, shoot, yeah. But like the, at least like the 50% that wasn't about you got done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's why none of us have it all worked out. Like, don't wait for your motives to be pure. When's that going to happen? Let's just be honest. Whatever God's putting you, let it come out, and that's how it gets refined. See, they knew that they were going to give it back, so it's time to put it to work. I'm not going to have this forever. I want to use what I do have with the time that I do have. I, I want to I use this. God expects you and wants you to use what he's given you. Jesus is telling these parables here, and, and, and every time he's telling parables like this to communicate these types of things, they seem to involve have somebody having something and that someone putting that something to use. The parable of the talents. They, 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 the, the servants, they, they took what they had and they went and traded. It says they took it and they traded it. There's a parable similar to this about minas, another, another money type of topic. It says that the, the servants who got this money, they took it and they went and they engaged in business. They, they did something with it. There's a few chapters earlier in Matthew 13, Jesus is on another series of parables that he's saying, and they all revolve around people being given something. He, he starts them all off. He's saying the kingdom of heaven is like... And then he talks about somebody being given something and doing something with it. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a sower who went out to sow. <laughs> he had some seed, so he threw it. He says, it's like a mustard seed. And he, he, he took it and he planted it. And when it grew, these things happened. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and worked through the dough. 
God wants you to use what he's given you. God's given you something. You have what you have. You are where you are. And God is excited for you to be where you are and do what he put you there to do. Because we're going to give it back. You aren't an accident. You aren't forgotten. You aren't menial. You aren't unable. I don't know what you have or don't have, but I do know that whatever you have, it's not yours. Whatever you have, it doesn't measure you, and whatever you have, you're going to have the chance to give it back to God. This little temporal stuff that you have, there's an opportunity in it to give it back to God. It's still on the heavy religious side of things. God's not saying, like, what are you going to do with it? He's saying, do something. Do something with it. I gave it to you. Do something with it. Use it. God wants to talk to you about the money you use. He's saying, use it. Take it. Work it. Do with it. Go do something with it. God, God is with you. God is for you. God wants to speak to you. God wants to put his hand of favor on the things that you're going to do. God wants to blow wind in the sails that you put up. Just put them up. God's saying, I want to use you. I want to work through you. I want to see the kingdom of God come in your life. I have plans for you to prosper you. You wouldn't even believe the things I want to do in your life if somebody told you. It's a new thing. Nobody's ever seen it before because you're not like anybody ever before. I put you together. I put part of me in you. You bear my image. You are full of my spirit. I was nobody shouting Jesus down this morning. Are you free in Jesus' name? God wants to use you. He wants you to use this little life that he's given you. You've got a chance. And this chance doesn't last forever, but what you do with it does. What you do with it does last forever, which brings me to the fourth thing you need to know. It matters how you use it. You need to know this about your money. It matters how you use it. The next verses, we're not going to read all of them because it's like the whole thing, but it outlines what happens after the master comes to settle accounts when these guys give back what they had been given. The one with five made five more, and he hears from his master, well done, good and faithful servant, and are into the joy of your master. I will set you over much. The two comes back, he made two more, and the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who hid it comes and gives the one back and it doesn't go well and instead of well done good and faithful servant the master says you're wicked and slothful he gets kicked out of the house not welcomed into the house and instead of getting set over more what he did have gets taken from him it mattered how they used it last week we started talking about the overlap of heaven and earth, the intersection of the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God on our earthly lives and how Jesus is trying to communicate to us through all of his teachings that this temporal life impacts our eternal treasure. It impacts our eternal treasure, even specifically when it comes to how we use our money. See, our, our current and eternal salvation, our standing and our identity before God, it's a gift. Amen, somebody. You're saved. That's great news. Like It's a gift, the gift of salvation. And there's a very strong theme communicated to us through Jesus and through all of Scripture that the, the way we live this life that we've been given as a gift impacts the eternal treasure that we receive from the life that we live based on what we've been given. See, what I'm trying to say is the result of Jesus' life is your salvation. The result of your life is your reward. 
It matters how you use it. There is a reward for how you steward this little life. There's a reward, an eternal reward for what you do with this little temporal life. There's a reward for using the life that you have been given for the sake of the one who gave it to you. There's a eternal reward. When you think about money, I want to encourage you to stir up your faith. I want you to stir up your hope when you think about God and how you use your money. I want you to dream. I want you to believe. I want you to smile because God is ready to reward you each and every day for your decisions in your life and even each and every decision that you make with your money, your little money here and now. Think about how small it is in the grand scheme of everything. God is ready to reward you for eternity based on that little decision. Amazing. He wants to reward you forever for how you use your money right now. And that sounds really cool for a preacher to stand up on stage and shout about. But you're like, yeah, but like, I don't have that much, or I do have this or that or whatever, but like, I don't get, how do I find the spiritual things to do with my money? <laughs> how do I find how to do these purposeful things with my money? Can I tell you that purpose isn't something you find, purpose is something you put. I want you to put purpose in your money. You might think I'm a little crazy when I say stuff like this, but I genuinely believe that there's a reward in eternity every time I pay my bills on time. I believe there's a reward in it because I'm not, I, don't, I don't spend money on my, on my bills. I, I make my money give my family a house to live in. I, I just, I tell it what to do. I, I told it, I need you to give me some air conditioning. I need you to give me some lights. I need you to give me a roof. I'm gonna use you. So the power company sends me a bill. I, I don't owe them anything. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just putting my money on purpose where it needs to go because I got a purpose for that money. It's not telling me what I need to do. I'm telling it, this is what I need you to do. And, and I think God cares about that. I think God cares that I put a, a roof over my family's house. I, I, think, my, I think God cares that, 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 I, that I put lights on in the room in the morning. I don't know if you know this, but my wife doesn't ever spend any money at the grocery store. She just leverages money that, that it thinks is in control of us, but really she's the one in charge and she makes it give my kids full bellies. It's awesome. She doesn't spend it ever. It's just, she just fills people's bellies with it. And it's amazing and it tastes nice too. See, I, I've got faith that, that for when I bring the tithe to God, when, when, I, when I bring it to God, God's gonna do something with it. Like, I'm not doing it because I, I have to. I'm not doing it because money and this and all. I'm leveraging this little stuff I have for an eternal reward. Like, hello. I think that when I give something, when I give money, I'm not, it's not just because I should. Or, money's not making me. Money's not in charge. Like, I don't need money's approval for what I do with it. I have this chance to do something with it. That when I give this or that, I think God's going to do something with it. I, I, I do it on purpose. I don't know what that person's purpose is for it, but I know what my purpose is for it. My purpose is I want you to know that somebody cares that you're alive today. It doesn't really matter what you take it and do with it. It doesn't matter what your purpose is because it's not your money and my money doesn't measure me anyways. I'm doing it on purpose. I've got faith for what I'm doing with my money. I want you to have faith for the money that you use. I, I want you to know that I don't spend money on gas. I don't spend money on gas. I, I, I go to a gas tank, and it, it does, or I go to a gas pump. It doesn't cost me money. It contributes to my purpose. Yes. <laughs> see, see, I put my credit card in. And I tell it, I tell my credit card, I need you to put gas in that tank so I can go spend time with my family, so I can go meet with some people, so I can go hang out with my friends, so I can love my truck, amen? 
so I can put something in the back of it and move it around. I'm telling you what you do for me. You contribute to my purpose. And I think there's reward in that faith. How many of you know it's not money that pleases God? It's faith that pleases God. And God wants you to use your money. Last thing I want to tell you I never do. I never spend money on vacations. I give my wife a few days at the beach. And it's on purpose. There's a lot of purpose behind that. All kinds of purposes. And I make my money serve my purpose. Because I'm the one that uses it because God gave it to me. It's not mine. It doesn't measure me. I'm going to give it back anyways. And since there's a reward for how I use it, I might as well use it. Wow, I'm encouraged. You got a chance to leverage this little temporal life you have. This little bit of the master's possessions you've been given to be proven faithful. To be proven faithful over a little bit over a little bit of earthly treasure and be set over much eternal glory. That's what God wants you to know. That's why God wants you to use your money. You stand up this morning as we end this series and we end our time together. I don't know what you need to do with your money today. Like I said, I'm not here to tell you what you need to go do, but I do know that God wants to speak to you. God wants to lead you. I hope God's been speaking to you over these last few weeks and through this morning. I don't know what you need to do exactly, but I know you need to do exactly whatever it is that God's leading you to do. God's got something for you to do, and I want you to have faith this morning that God is speaking to you. You can hear him, and you can do whatever it is that he's asking you to do. We're going to have our prayer team come up front like we always do. We want to be a people who respond to the word of God. And as we worship just one more time together, as we end these few minutes together, we believe that these last six minutes really matter. That these are minutes of taking your first step forward. I don't know what you need to do, but if you need prayer this morning for anything, so many of you come for so many different reasons. You might need to respond to something God's been speaking to you this morning through the message or something completely different. God does miracles in these last six minutes. Anybody? Amen. God is moving in these final minutes. Final minutes. We are the church. God is in this room. And if you need prayer this morning, don't leave without getting what you need. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it, God's ready to do something in your life. If you're here this morning and you're not free from all these other things that are determining your life and you need to surrender your life to Jesus, if you need a new master this morning, today's the right day. Today's the right day to surrender your life to Jesus. Maybe you came with a friend, you can talk with them. If you don't know what to do, please come and have somebody pray with you and help you take your next steps towards Jesus. We believe that it doesn't matter if you come forward, raise your hands, all that sort of thing. Well, we, we're, we're a next step, believe in church. Every single one of us has one little step we can take forward right here, right now. And we're going to be faithful to do it. So whatever that is, let's open up our lives to God and say, Lord, would you teach me? Teach me how to use this money that I think so much about. Teach me how to live this life that you've given me and help me take my next step forward. Let's pray and let's worship together. Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for your teaching. We thank you for your words. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your wisdom. Would you set us free right now and we're asking Holy Spirit that as we lift up your name, you would draw all of us to yourself. That you would lead us into the next thing you're calling us to do. And you would teach us how to, how to use and celebrate this life and these things that you've given us. And we thank you for the chance that what we do right now can matter forever. We bless your name. And it's in Jesus' name we invite you into this room. Amen.